are back on Unsportsmanlike Conduct, and this week we will talk about the national championship game between Clemson and Alabama. Is Clemson the new king of college football? Also, we'll talk about the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans and their football season to kind of wrap things up. Were they both disappointments? Were they successes? We'll discuss that. We'll also talk about the Red Wings and Pistons, who are both kind of on the downtick right now. All that and more on Unsportsmanlike Conduct next. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald. I'm your guys' new sports editor here at Central Michigan Life. And across from me, my assistant sports editor, Evan Petzold. Evan, how we doing? Doing well, Andy. I got to ask you. Sure. Would you call it a dark horse, what we saw on Monday night? Was that a situation of a dark horse, Clemson coming out of nowhere? I know they were both undefeated, but nonetheless, was it a dark horse type of situation? Well, yes, because I, you know, when you look at it as uh, a blowout win like that, no one's ever done that to Alabama before, period. Not even just on a national championship game. That's like one of the biggest losses Nick Saban's ever had. I think it might be the biggest loss he's ever had. Um, at Alabama, so yes, I would call it a dark horse. Not that they won. Plenty of people predict them to win, but yes, essentially it would be because of the way they won. Kind of reminds me of a kid in my high school. He was like a kind of like a dark horse defensive back. Had a couple interceptions and, and a couple pick sixes. Went under the radar. Kind of reminded me of him. But anyway, I'm doing well. You're doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's good to be back on campus. Still trying to get used to this whole editor thing. You know, it's a little bit different, but. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, we're getting there. And, uh, you know, hopefully Evan and I can keep putting out the sports page in a good way for you guys. But either way, we're here to talk about uh, this, all these sports going on here today. And whenever there's a championship, you know it's going to come up on this show. So we're talking about it. Um, and it was, I mean, just the, the Clemson domination. I mean, we, we you and I actually watched it together. You know, from the start of the game, it was, you know, like a pick six right away. It was kind of like, oh, boy, you know, this is going to be back and forth. Like when you start like that, it usually will at least make it good for a half against Alabama. Game goes back and forth for about the whole first quarter with team scoring, and then it's just like Clemson decided they were going to take over and never let go, and it was just ways that Alabama got shut down that you just don't remember. They didn't score a point in the second half. They got to the goal line a couple of times and couldn't punch it in. I mean, just ways that Alabama usually dominates you physically and gets through, they couldn't get through, and that was the more impressive thing. You knew that Trevor Lawrence could throw the ball. You knew they had receivers who could catch the ball. I mean, you know – I might be pronouncing his name wrong, but Etienne, Etienne, I don't know how to say his name, had a hell of a game, 14, 14 carries for 86 yards, a couple touchdowns, uh, roster receiver, six receptions, 153 yards, a touchdown. They had guys that can play. You knew it coming into the game. That's not really a surprise. I think what's just more of a surprise is how well Clemson's defense was able to shut down Alabama. Uh, Tua did not play a very good game, had a couple of passes that were just completely errant for interceptions. Overthrow, I think, was the worst one um, late in the first half when that happened. So, really, I mean, yes, to me, when you, you know, like what you brought up to start this podcast, it was a dark horse. I don't think anybody in the country could have, you know, legitimately picked that Alabama was going to get rolled over like this on a big stage like this with Nick Saban at the helm. And if, if you can disagree with that or say it any other way, I don't think it's possible. But I think the more interesting discussion here is is Clemson, was this one of the best teams to ever play college football? One, because of the way the season that they had and the way that they capped it off. I mean, two blowout wins in the college football playoff and over the, the, the so-called king of college football, which was Alabama. And, I mean, was this really just their season? Is Alabama really that much worse than them, I guess? I just think it's unbelievable the way that Clemson's been able to do things. You know, you, you have your guy, right? Your number one quarterback coming into the season, but you also have this five-star quarterback coming in this year who, you know, recruiting experts said he's you know, a once-in-a-generation type player. So you get a guy like Trevor Lawrence coming in, he wins the spot. Kelly Bryant obviously has his situation, wants to transfer, wants to get out of there. And you're like, all right, 
Lawrence is the guy. And this little, not not really little, but this you know young in age freshman just leads you to the ship, just like that. And you're telling me that this guy who was just going to prom last year, may I remind you, he was just going to prom last year, going to homecoming, playing high school football. That was last year. This year, this guy goes 20 for for 32 for 347 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions against Alabama. Against Alabama? I don't know what was worse, to to be honest. Was it Alabama's defense, or was it Lil Wayne's outfit at the halftime show? Because they were both (laughs) atrocious. Just the halftime show in general, man. I don't know. Anthony Broom, shout out to you. My favorite tweet of the night was, you know, the, the quotations, Imagine Dragons is my favorite rock band, and the guy was, like, jumping off of a cliff. That was that was pretty funny to me. But realistically, though, it, it was noted it was noted that Lil Wayne, and, and sure, the whole thing was was pretty bad. Okay, yeah. the halftime show was pretty bad. But, I mean, Alabama's defense might have been worse than that as far as from a, a watching, a viewing standpoint. I got bored watching this game. I had no clue I was going to be this bored. Andy, the first, the, the first what? Eight minutes, minutes of the game were awesome. Not even that. It was probably like six. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they both had like 14 points around there. Alabama that was awesome. That's what I wanted the whole game, and I did not get that. Yeah. I got three more points from Alabama's offense, and I got a, a, a hell of a rough defensive stand from Alabama's defense. It, it wasn't a game, but... By 623 um, in, the, uh, in the first quarter, it was Alabama, you know, I had, or it was 14 to 13, so... Yeah, that many points already by that point in the first quarter. But yeah, this is impressive. From an Alabama team who you don't think they're going to come in here and and smoke you out like that, right? You, 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 it's just not what anybody thinks. And they come in here and they get it done. Are they the best team to ever play college football? I mean, that's that's kind of saying a lot. Are they the best team to play college football in the last five to ten years? Maybe. I think it's Maybe. definitely it's an argument you have to make simply because of the way that they competed in this game, they played in this game, and I think everybody in the country kind of knows now that Notre Dame probably wasn't really a playoff team. But then again, who was a playoff team? Who really was another team that deserved to be? You know, the the whole word deserving. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to the college football playoff is like, you know, they went undefeated. There's no doubt they should be here. Well, unless you're counting Michigan, who wasn't really a good team in my opinion this season because they didn't beat anybody either that mattered. I mean, when you when you look at it like that, Notre Dame didn't beat anybody all season that mattered either. So why were they a playoff team? Why, you know, at, at the end of the day when, you know, Oklahoma, they put up more of a fight, I guess, with Alabama. They probably should have been a playoff team. But legitimately, could either, can any of these teams in the country even compete with Clemson? Do you think if Alabama played against Clemson again, they could compete with them? Or is there just no one that can compete with them? Well, I don't think they can compete with them because Alabama loses some talent next year. Okay. Clemson. What what do you lose? Not, not a I lot. Mean, looking, looking, looking at next year, you have next year. You have Trevor Lawrence as a sophomore. That's your quarterback. You have Travis Atani as your running back, who's going to be a junior, and that'll be you know that'll be his final year before he's draft eligible. So he's not leaving anywhere. Justin Ross and T. Higgins, those are your two top wide receivers. They're both true freshmen this yeah, year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's unbelievable about and, it. <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna be sophomores. And then you know your next best guy, Amari Rogers, at the wide receiver position. Go ahead and chalk him up as coming back, because he'll be a junior next year. He won't be able to leave until the 2019 season is over. So. Like you're not you're not losing anything. I, I understand Clemson loses a couple defensive pieces, and, and Alabama loses some defense, and, and they lose some offense too. They don't lose two at Tagovailoa, but nonetheless, Clemson basically brings back their entire offense, and that's what has been that that's what won them the game. I mean, granted, defense was great, forced two to throw two interceptions, but still, in the end, 
it, it was 14-13 Clemson for the first quarter, and the offense had to step it up. That could have just as easily been a 14-13 game in the fourth quarter if both you know defenses were on par. Clemson's offense just shined, and I, and I think that's a situation where they bring that back. I mean, come on. Yeah, there's no, there's no Tra- way. Trevor Lawrence is the absolute real deal. I mean, I think it goes without being said after a game like that. He's a freshman that doesn't choke under pressure, but I mean, you, you, you said it time and time again when it comes to the receivers with Higgins and Ross. I mean, you're talking freshman to freshman, freshman to freshman, whoever Lawrence is throwing to. That's incredible. They were able to be this good when they're this young. You can't imagine they get any worse. Now, you see these kind of things in football all the time where, you know, even though it seems like everybody's coming back, they don't just necessarily win it the next year, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. But you look at it, and it's like it's forced to literally be an argument that Clemson is the best team. This team was the best team to ever play college football because of what they did to the team that's been so dominant for so long in this era of it. I mean, you can't you can't not consider it if you watch football and understand football at the college level. Like, that's just how it is. If they dominate a team like this, I don't think it's just necessarily a bad night um, for Alabama because of the way that Clemson was able to, you know, just beat up on teams all season. This wasn't anything new to them. I mean, you look up up and down their schedule, there wasn't many games that were very close. I mean, Texas A&M really in the, in the season, yeah, that was a two-point win, sure. Syracuse, only a four-point win. So early in the season, they had a couple of games that were closer. But by the time the rest of the season comes around, I mean, they're scoring 41 points, 59 points, 77 points. They were a team that was just dominant all the way throughout. Now, they don't have the best competition that they go up against, but even when they had to play the best competition, you know, as it says in the country, they rolled over them. Wasn't even close. Trevor Lawrence, just so the listeners understand, completed 65.2% of his passes for 3,280 yards, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions. Remember, he didn't play much in the beginning. Yeah, (laughs) as a freshman. Well, remember, he didn't play much in the beginning of the year either, though. I mean, for the first three games, four games, whatever it might have been. I mean, he was in and out with with Kelly Bryant, but takes over the starting role and just just is absolutely dominant. I mean, unbelievably dominant. And I understand he's a freshman, but he's 6'5", 205. Would the NFL be a realistic choice for him if he could go now? I mean, it's a quarterback position. I mean, what 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 do you really need? It's not like you have to worry about grown men running into you because maybe not you physically, have an offensive line. Maybe not physically, but being this young uh, mentally, and I think going to the league and trying to compete at, at this age is something that he could run into as a road bump. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has just entered his first year of college, which essentially means he's probably living away from his parents for the first year in his life, unless he was away from him at another point. If you go to making that much money right off of that, um, and and trying to trying to adjust to NFL standards and like what it takes to be in the NFL and stuff, I think you might struggle with that a little bit. To be completely honest, because I know I would if that if that was me in that situation. Like I could barely manage my college classes my first year in college. I can't imagine like how hard it would be to manage a lifestyle of you know being pretty wealthy and trying to play football at the same time. Physically, maybe not, maybe not. But also, he's I mean he's very young. You don't you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean you got to see some things maybe more at the college level to be a lot better. I definitely think leaving after your freshman season wouldn't be the best idea in the world. Hometown Carterville, Georgia plays at Clemson, obviously in South Carolina. So not too far of a drive for the parents, but yeah, like you said, you go in to the NFL draft. If it was possible, yeah, you don't know where you're going. You could be out in Washington. If you could be out in California, my, my second question, just about Trevor Lawrence for you, Andy, and I want to hear your take on this. If, if Trevor Lawrence misses the next two years of his college career let's just say he decided to sit out right and wait for the draft because you know you have to have three years even a red shirt year counts as that even an injured year counts as that you have to have three years of sure. you know, being in school would he still be in the top five if he just like didn't play due to 
just him sitting out and saying, I don't want to get injured. I want to save my draft stock. I, obviously, never would happen, but I'm just wondering, yeah. has he proved that much this year that if he did that, he would still be top five or no way? I don't think he'd still be top five. People forget things easily. Um, even, even if you have a season like that, if you yeah. don't play for a whole season, you take a year off. I mean, God, no. I mean, it's a He's one-year wonder. He's not going to do it, but you know what I'm saying. You get, yeah, you get no, my point. Like, I, did I understand he prove what you're saying. Like, this if, year? if he was that good or whatever, if he could leave, yeah, sure. I mean, based off the way he played to end the season, sure, but at the same time, you got to think about it as like, Cardell Jones, what happened to him when he only played a couple, you know, games the end of the year and then and then tried to go? Like it didn't work out well for him. I don't know. Like when you're when you're flipping on and off as somebody to start the season, um, and like, you know, you come in and kind of start starting in the middle of the year, I definitely think that's not enough time proven for someone to really believe in him. I mean, yeah, someone would have taken a shot at him in the draft for that question if he could go right now because of how he played. But it's just like you gotta have more experience, you gotta be able to show more than that and show up for a consistent amount of time. I mean, yes, okay, film comes out. But there's not; it's just not enough. I mean, if, if a conference can compare for, prepare for him for a whole off season and get ready for him, there's a lot of different schemes you could throw at the guy. Maybe they'll be better against him next year. Who knows? I mean, we've seen it time and time again that a quarterback seems dominant. Maybe not as dominant as Trevor Lawrence was this year, but where they seem dominant in the next season, they like for some reason just aren't as good. It happens all the time. Um, I don't think it'll happen with him, but nevertheless, it's just a lot to put on a freshman and uh, you know seven eight games that he started in a season. One thing I would like to see Trevor Lawrence do a little bit more, and you saw Shea Patterson do it this season for Michigan. You saw him do it for Ole Miss too, but specifically with Michigan, with the with the the RPOs, the run pass options. Trevor Lawrence, a guy who last year had 60 carries for 177 yards and a touchdown. I think going forward, he can only become more elusive if he learns how to use his legs in the type of way that Shea Patterson uses them at Michigan. I know both of those guys have a little bit of a different build. I'm not asking Trevor Lawrence to pick up 70 yards on a carry every time he runs it, but what I'm saying is if you can at least use that when you're inside the five and you have an opportunity to score and it's it's not always a pass or hand it off, you can really start deceiving people, and I, I would not be surprised if they decided to, to take him and just put him in more of a, an RPO situation from time and time because to develop a run game is important. And, and like I said before, not asking him to go for 70 yards on every carry, but just inside the 10, inside the 5, let him pull an RPO. And if he wants to hand it off, great. If he wants to you know, roll out and throw it, great. But if not, let, let him fake that handoff and just go and just turn the corner and go and, and take it to the end zone. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Trevor Lawrence from his legs, but still, man, this guy is special, and, and Clemson's on top. Yes, for sure. You say it, Clemson's on top, so we got to – Got to end the argument one way or another here. I mean, you don't you don't have to give me a team that you think competes with them or anything like that. I'm not. If you want to, you can. But got to descend to how we started it. You know, is this the best team to ever play college football? I don't know. I I can't. I can't. It, it's a it's a matchup situation, Andy. What do you why? What do you think? If I had if I had to say my honest answer right now, I would say yeah. I mean, I I'm not gonna be the kind of guy that goes back and says oh, other teams had harder competition or this was a weaker year in college football overall, whatever it might have been. Alabama looked as good all season as they could have been. I mean, maybe except for the little slip-up against the Citadel or whatever, it might have been there. They looked as good as they could have been all year. And with the team that was in the national championship with them last year, Jake Fromm in Georgia, they beat them twice. And that was the team that everybody thought was the best team in the country and could compete with Bama probably the best. It just sucked because they had to play them twice in the regular season. I think Clemson exceeded expectations. They... In the, in the system where you have to play two of the best teams in college football, not just one, they blew them out twice. Statistically, and the way things lined up, I would say Clemson is the best. This this team was the best team to ever play college football. The not only, scared to say now, that. Now, the only team I think that might have been able to hang, might have been able to hang, and also you have to remember, 
I'm 20 years old. I can't dive back into the I'm deep. 22. Deep. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> I understand, but I'm I, I can't sit here and dive back into the days of of the you know the 70s, the 80s, you know the the early 90s. That's that's not me. You got to bring my dad on to do that because sure. I, I I don't know those teams. I didn't get a chance to watch those teams and watch film. But one team that I remember following was that 2009 Alabama team when they had Mark Ingram, they had Greg McElroy as their quarterback, they had Julio Jones, that wide receiver. That team, maybe? Yeah, I think it would have been close because that, I mean, you have to remember that team did go undefeated that entire season. They played in the BCS National Championship game against Texas and, and, and man, like they, they really put a beating on them and, and took care of the game early and then ended up you know, finaling out at 37-21, but still they had control of that game. They had control of stuff really all season long. No one really was able to to even come close. The closest one was Auburn, but still, I don't know. That team was pretty good. That'd probably be the only one that I think would be There's plenty of teams real competition, that you could stack up and try to compare to it. I guess the one thing that I just I point out again, even if it is unfair to teams that never had the chance to play in it, is the fact that they got to play against two of the best teams in the country at the end of the season. And they beat them both by double digits. So that proves a lot to me right there. And one of them is the team that's been the absolute king of college football for a while. But I think now everybody can definitely say that Clemson is the king of college football right now. So that's where we're at with that. Um, Just kind of going on to the next thing here Um, for uh, Michigan and Michigan State. We'll talk about them here next. And it was just a complete disappointment um, for Michigan to end the season without a question. Um, They go against a couple of teams that they, I mean, I, Really, okay, I look at that Florida game, and uh, Nick Baumgartner kind of tweeted it out the best, I think, of all the people I saw tweeting that day during the Florida game. Nick. Um, is that he said, Florida came here as a team with a new coach um, and a lot of reason to play, a lot of reason for optimism going into next season. Michigan came as a team that already felt defeated from what happened a couple weeks ago. That's exactly what played out here today. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he was right. One team came for one reason, the other team came for another reason. Michigan, like, unmotivated, which is unacceptable, again, from their coaching staff. Absolutely unacceptable. You have to have your team more motivated than that. And to get absolutely steamrolled by a team that you've never lost to before, a team that Michigan definitely should have been able to compete with, I think without any question in my mind, it should have been a team they could compete with. Yeah, Florida's not that good. No, Felipe they're Franks definitely really not that good. isn't that good of a quarterback. Like, let's just all. be honest. Michigan it's, made him look good. Michigan made him look real good. Don, Michigan made him look like that store brand you know, or it made them look like that, excuse me, that name brand Lucky Charms. Michigan made themselves look like that, you know, that store brand, that Kroger brand Lucky Charms. And those two things are totally different when it comes down to cereal choices. And and that, no, but that's what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. I mean, Michigan looked like the the knockoff version of that game. They did. And they made, they put Florida up on this pedestal like they were some kind of gods that were just out here ripping Michigan's supposed top defense apart that that can't happen Yeah, but it's not the top defense in the country and that got exposed I mean without a question I mean they just didn't they didn't play like it period it didn't matter I mean two top 10 teams two teams that are the better in the country Don Brown got made look like an absolute fool he made zero adjustments didn't make changes and kind of just made his whole season as unfair as it might sound look like crap because he didn't didn't have a team that was ready to play against teams that have good offenses and could make and could score points and score them quick Michigan had absolutely zero coverage downfield. And maybe that's because they weren't tested all season and no one had the balls to do it until Ohio State did it. I mean, Indiana did a little bit and exposed them. But they didn't even adjust. Like, they didn't even no, adjust there was from no Ohio. changes. Like, there I was mean, nothing. Even, even in the Indiana game that they won. I mean, Indiana just made enough mistakes because they're Indiana. Like, Michigan didn't make adjustments in the final three games of the season to stop a crossing pattern. And on third down, when plays were absolutely unacceptable to let happen, 
Florida did what Florida should have done because it's what Michigan can't stop. They threw bombs. They threw bombs downfield, and then when Michigan wouldn't be expecting it because they would be trying to think about that, they did a run up the middle. Or what they was did really a- worse, though? Well, I mean, I, okay, I hear you talking shit about the defense, and I get that. I hear that. But they, they, they didn't have Rashawn Gary, and they didn't have Devin Bush. I know as you roll your eyes, you're like, oh, that's what every Michigan fan says. But this sets up my next question, yep. which is what are you more disappointed in? The defense or the offense? Because I would I would say you might be more disappointed in the offense because they had Shea Patterson, they had yeah, the Nico offense Collins, players, the they had is- Peoples Jones, they, they had Zach Gentry, they had their senior, you know, Captain Grant Perry, they had Tariq Black back, and he was apparently one hundred percent. A lot of players, and it wasn't their problem. The, the only, you can name one person. That's that's the problem. It's their head coach. So hands down, if, if you can't decide to change your play calling like he did for everybody else that he coached for he changed the, he, he didn't run a run up the middle run up the middle run up the middle and punt the football against every every, every other school that he went to I mean Stanford and the pros 49ers he didn't run an offense like that he does that when he's with Michigan and it doesn't work he's he goes and gets a quarterback that is the complete opposite of that and he makes them play in that kind of system why can't you just adjust your talent and make it better? I mean, I seriously, Michigan has three of the better receivers, I think, in the, in the, country. Co- in the country. I think so. With Nico Collins, Tariq Black, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Michigan fails to use them. Doesn't throw downfield to them. And when they do, it's Shea Patterson under center. Or he's stuck in the pocket. Or he's forced to do things that he isn't accustomed to doing. That's not, like, how he plays offense. And it might have worked against a bunch of teams in the Big Ten that were pretty weak this year, it turns out. But it didn't work against the teams that mattered at the end of the season. And if he can't decide to adjust to that... The players will never be able to overcome that. They can't make themselves better in a system that doesn't really work for them, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, Dylan McCaffrey, he might be that guy in a couple of years that can come under center and play that kind of football. Shea Patterson, transfer. Shea Patterson is not. He's a rollout, air it out kind of guy, make his own decisions on the fly. He's not given a lot of chances to do that in Michigan's run system. Yeah, sure, they didn't have Karan Higdon, but then why weren't you trying to play through Shea Patterson? Why weren't you trying to make more plays with him instead of just handing the ball to Chris Evans up the middle? Or, God, who was it they kept Christian bringing? Christian Turner. No, you already know who I'm Christian talking about. Christian Turner, yeah, the freshman. Him, but but it was, but... Uh, what's his name, too? Uh, I can't think of it right now. Uh, True Wilson. Yeah why, yeah. why? God, why? When I watch that every single every <laughs> single time I watch those plays happen, it made me just want to turn it off. That was the absolute most, like, un, like the, the worst Michigan game I've watched in a while. That was worse than Ohio State. Because they're often still put up points against Ohio State. And, yeah, a lot of them did come late, but, like, they were in the game for a while. They made things happen. When it came to Florida, it's like Michigan just didn't. They just were like, no, we're just going to be stubborn and run the plays that we run. And even if it doesn't work, we're just going to go back to it again the next possession. That was the kind of attitude I got out of it. Veins popping here at the top of Moore Hall. I mean, what else do you Andy's want me to face. say? What else do you want me to say? No, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of truth there to that. There is no more excuses I, for Michigan's I, football I, program. I've said it, it, I've said it since Ohio State. You know, we have something else to talk about, though. On the same Michigan topic... Breaking news coming in from Bruce Feldman and Chris Vanini from The Athletic. Alabama co-offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis will become the new offensive coordinator at Michigan. Sources tell Feldman Feldman and Vanini. It's a big addition for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. What does that mean? Because we just talked about the offense. And you bring in a guy from Bama? The co-offensive coordinator at Bama. Okay. What does that mean? I mean, sure. I don't know how much much Nick Saban has to do with running their offense there. I don't know all that information, but... They had a quarterback that was pretty good this year in Tua. Same kind of style as Shea Patterson, I guess you could say. Guy likes to roll out. Guy likes to use his feet a lot, stuff like that. So maybe he'll come in and change things up. But if 
if you know if I go if this offseason comes around and the summer rolls around and we start hearing all the the same things from Jim Harbaugh, we want to assert our dominance. We want to run you over. We want to play that kind of football and be the big guys on campus, even though we're really not. Like if that if that if they want to keep playing nineteen eighties football, I don't think it doesn't matter. It can't. It'll never go past Jim Harbaugh. He's the guy that has to get to. So they can hire whatever offensive coordinator they want to in the country. They've hired plenty of different ones, haven't they, over the past couple of years? Doesn't seem to work a lot. So it doesn't really matter. It's, it's got to all get past Jim Harbaugh before anything else can happen. He has to be able to. Well, Pep Hamilton was never himself. an offensive coordinator. He was a passing games coordinator. They never really had an offensive coordinator. Well, they coordinator. don't tell the media anything. They don't tell who's really doing what to anybody. That's true. They don't. That's so true. So you don't know what's going on. But if I had to take a wild guess based off the way that he talks about it and the way that their team runs on offense, I think a lot of it comes from Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, no, no, I think it does. I think Jim Harbaugh calls his own plays. Yes. I think that's what it is. It's absolutely that way. But I think he realizes he has to give it up, maybe, hopefully. But Gaddis, I mean, looking at him, he spent just one year at Alabama, previously worked with Penn State, Vanderbilt, and Western Michigan. And at Alabama this season, he was basically the guy, I guess, that worked with Jerry Judy the most, who uh, ended up being the, uh, the winner for the most outstanding wide receiver in college football this season. So I guess Gaddis and Judy worked really close together and they were they were really tight all season long. Hopefully Gaddis can bring some of that over because like you said, man, Michigan's receivers have talent. I mean, you even look past Nico Collins and Peoples Jones and Tariq Black. Oliver Martin, he hasn't even scratched the, you know, the beginning of his surface. He hasn't even pulled back the first layer of the onion yet. He has so much talent going forward. There's so much there. In, in the running back game, Christian Turner, he was given unbelievably high praise. You saw him at the beginning of the game against Florida rip off a, a touchdown that ended up being called back because he just barely stepped out of bounds, but his breakaway speed is excellent. And he led the team in rushing yards. He had seven carries for 32 yards against Florida. That's got to mean something going forward. So you have a young guy there. You have four or five really good young wide receivers and you have some darn good tight ends. I know Zach Gentry's gone probably for, well, I would say most Michigan fans are happy that he's gone, but mm-hmm. you have guys below him. You you have options. You have people that can play. There, there, there's, there's, there, there's so much going on with this offense that just isn't executed right. <laughs> and hopefully a new guy can change something about it at the offensive line. You're never going to convince me anything until I actually see it happen in the field anymore with Michigan football. Uh, I'll come into next season. You want to tell you they're going to do? They're going to go nine and four or ten and three, because that's what they do. That's the best they can do. They can't do anything better than it. Jim Harbaugh can't beat anybody that matters, and that's just kind of the way it is. So you were wrong about your Michigan State prediction, though. I was very wrong, very very wrong about Michigan State. They and they, they sucked. Quick answer on this, just so we can wrap up with Michigan. What would you call this season? A success or unsuccessful? Oh, unsuccessful. You think so? No doubt. Ten and three. I agree too. You lost. Wait. You lost to Notre Dame. You lost to Ohio State, and you lost your bowl game. You can't. Okay, coming in the year, I would have said this would have been success at ten and three because I predicted him to finish right about. I think it was like nine and four or ten and three. But it was different. They, the way doesn't they matter lost when to you Ohio change State, expectations. The and way you start, they lost to Florida. Yep. When you have those kind of losses, I'm just looking at the oh, middle yeah. of their. I'm looking at the middle of their schedule right now, and it says 15th ranked Wisconsin, 24th ranked Michigan State, and 14th ranked Penn State. Whether those teams ended up there at the end of the year or not, any season that you beat all three of those teams back to back to back, you would have probably expected Michigan to beat Ohio State at the end of the year. Expectations change. Michigan didn't come through with it. I don't even think Ohio State was that good of a team. I think the Michigan had a team that just was very unprepared and didn't didn't look ready on the road, and they played in that game and. That's in the coaching staff once again. So definitely unsuccessful season for Michigan. So the Spartans. The Spartans, though, um, I'll come out right away and say it because you just said it. I predicted this team to be 
in a Big Ten champion this year. I expected that they would be a team at the top because of what they had back. They had more returning talent than anybody in the country. I mean, they had more of their offensive production come. I think it was a, a total product team production of around ninety eight percent of their like production from last season came back. They finished seven and six, fourth in the Big Ten East. I mean, that's absolutely unacceptable. And the way that they lost in their bowl game, I think, just kind of emulates it perfectly. Seven to six to Oregon. That w- if you had to just say one thing to describe Michigan State season, you'd say they lost their bowl game seven to six, and they finished seven to six overall. I would say I didn't even that's, know Red Box was still a thing. <laughs> yeah, too. What a what kind of a bowl game is that? Like, why does that even still exist? That should be a Mac Bowl or something. Like, come on now, mm-hmm. come on, people. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and it, it was it was about a, the blockbuster bowl. It was a horrible year. I mean, this this team just they never really got on track. They ne- they failed to you know get the wins they wanted to or the big ones they needed to. I think the the nine to six loss to you know Nebraska that was one of the you know more worst ones out there. So that that was definitely one of them. Uh, but then Rutgers they only beat fourteen to ten. The Chippewas up here, the one and eleven Chippewas, they beat by eleven points. I mean, come on, man! Like this is not the way that they played this year for what they had back and how much of a disappointment Brian Lewerke was and everything else. Like you know, Scott just never even playing. It's like it's just it's horrible. And if you want to look at this and say Mark D'Antonio is still our guy and he's still our coach and should be our you know because of what he's done in the past, how would you look at his last three seasons? And I mean, yeah, one in the middle was pretty decent. But you're talking about a guy that was starting to bring a championship culture in here. I think he's going in the opposite direction right now. I mean, you're talking about three and nine. I think they went uh, that about ten wins the next season. Mm-hmm. I think, and this year they go seven and six. The team that returned from ten wins. How can't you look at this as a failure for a Michigan State fan at seven and six? I mean, if you can give me a good reason, I guess I'll listen to it. But at least they didn't lose the family video bowl. No, but really, okay, though, besides Andy, the point Andy, with the bowl game Andy, here, Andy, <laughs> Andy, hang on, sure. I remember we were going through this list, right? We were talking. I said Michigan State would probably win the Big Ten. You said the same thing. We were going through Michigan and Michigan State schedule. And I just remember at the end of the year, you know, obviously making my predictions, I was looking on the list and I was like, man, that Ohio State game is going to be tough, but they get by that. The next two, man, the next two are cake. That, that is a cakewalk through Nebraska and Rutgers. And you know how those games finished out? Nebraska beat them nine to six, and, and Rutgers. It was fourteen ten. Michigan State won. So I mean, you lose to Nebraska nine to six, and you beat Rutgers fourteen to ten. I think that just tells you how bad your team really is. I think that just tells you how awful Michigan State was this year. I mean, come on, R- Rutgers finished one and eleven overall. They didn't even have a win in conference play. And they held Michigan State to 14 points and only lost by four. It's pathetic, dude. I mean, that's just sad. I mean, really, when I look at it, it's like, did it's Mark like Antonio, depressing, actually. Did Mark Antonio have these guys motivated all year? I mean, did he just not like when clearly not? When things, don't answer your own question. Like when things started to go south and they they lost uh, Arizona State 16 to 13. Like was that like, oh god, we lost? I mean, from the beginning from the beginning of the season, you know, playing against Utah State, they I mean that was a game they barely pulled out, and you kind of wondered then you're like. And Michigan State's done this in the past. Like they played like Furman, Furman a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, it was close. Like they do that kind of thing usually to start the year and then still end up being pretty good. Just I mean, every game. <laughs> I mean, up and down their schedule. They're they did not have a real blowout win this year. I mean, I guess the one you could say would be Maryland, twenty four yeah. to three. And that's yeah. I mean, that's just like their defense dominated and Maryland sucks. I mean, that's that's kind of where that was at. So it's like I don't Dude, know. You man. made me laugh so much when you said 
you basically said, what did they do? Throw it in the towel after the loss to Arizona State? That was the freaking second game of the season. I mean, seriously, like, it's, it's like it's like did they say like, oh, we're not gonna go undefeated now, so why do, do we even care? Like, are we gonna like play football the rest of the year? It's you like, can't tank for it's a draft ama- pick. Sorry, it, you're it, not in the it's NFL. A, it's amazing to me that they just weren't a better team. I can't understand it. Just coming off the year they had, Mark Antonio's coaching history, everything else. You thought the three and nine season was a bump in the road. I think if you're anybody around Michigan State right now, you gotta be looking at it the opposite direction. I think you gotta be saying this next year is really, really big for Mark D'Antonio. I think you got to look at it that way. You can't have someone leading your program that's not going to get the job done anymore, and he has no reason to not be recruiting good enough to be able to get good people in there because of, I mean, I know that the, the, the big names, Michigan and Ohio State, no matter what, are always going to be something you're going to have a hard time getting past. But it's just like he's been able to do a lot with the talent that he's had, even when it is three stars and whatever, and that's kind of what he's worked off of. Last three years, I mean, yes, the exception of the one in the middle, but two out of the three years, haven't been that good. And if he has another season around the 500 mark next year, I think if you're a Michigan State fan, you got to kind of be looking at it and saying, I know we love this guy. I know he was good in the past and he's done a lot of great things for us, but is he getting the job done anymore? Because it's in football and sports and anything around this industry, it's always, what are you doing for me right now? Let's run it back for the 2019 football schedule for Michigan State. So this is their upcoming season. Tulsa, Western Michigan, Arizona State, all three of those teams home to start the season. They go on the road Ooh, to play one. Northwestern. <laughs> they come back home for their homecoming game against Indiana. Ohio State on October 5th. Wisconsin on October 12th. Oof. Penn State Oof. on October 26th. And then a, a, Even a, Northwestern's not a joke. I mean, shoot. I know. And then you got a quick breather against Illinois on November 9th before you got to play Michigan. And then the powerhouse Rutgers on November 23rd. And Maryland. Okay, so they to finish out the season. The they, season. They finish out the season pretty easy, besides Michigan. But well, that's what we said. That, well, that's what we. That's what I said this year. And then they lost to Nebraska, and they barely beat Rutgers. But that stretch right there of Northwestern, Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Those are scary games right there, man. No, for sure, man. Northwestern it's... plays you tough all the time. Indiana, they throw the ball all over the field. That's how they've always been. That's just their offense. Ohio State. Obviously a tough team. Wisconsin, they're kind of up and down, but they could be really good next year. And Penn State, they could be pretty good next year too. Like they're those are tough. Those are tough, especially considering that Indiana and Penn State are the only two of those games at home wrestling around the road. It's gonna be tough for Mark D'Antonio. For sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens with all that. Overall, I think we both can just simply say it was a disappointment of a year. So we'll see what they're able to do next year. But I think Michigan State fans, if you're looking at it, big year for Mark D'Antonio. But Let's talk about another disappointment lately, huh? Detroit Pistons. Wow. Um, looking at their schedule, you know, this kind of looking over of their last 19 games. Guess how many they've won? Not a lot. Four. Four. And this, and this is the team that we were talking about. Okay. Yep. They started the year with a, a big win streak, then a big lose streak. Then they win four out of five. You're like, okay, go on another big winning streak where they win five games. This is a streak that just... Yikes. I mean, yikes, man. I mean, you're only winning that many games. You're not going to hang around in a playoff race if you can only win four games in, the, in basically the past month. I mean, or not past month, past couple of months. Not good situation for the Pistons right now. And then you flip it over to the Red Wings. They're playing like absolute crap right now, too. I mean, they can't win a game. They, they've they they've lost a bunch of games here by one. I mean, they actually beat uh, Nashville on the fourth. But other than that, they lost, to, they lost to Calgary. They lost to Washington by one. They lost to Montreal by a goal. It's been a lot of close games for them that they've been losing, which you kind of expect out of a young team, but we kind of saw them coming up too. Like they might be better, but I mean, overall, when you look at the month of December too, it was a lot of close losses, a lot of games that they could have won. They just couldn't get the job done. It's like, 
what's going on in Detroit right now, and can either one of these teams even come close to finding a way to bounce back from the situation that they're in, which is a lot of losing? No, no one's going to really bounce back realistically, Andy, all right? I mean, let, let, let's just be honest. This isn't going to be the year that people wanted for either of these two teams. I don't see things magically flipping the script. I, I just don't know. It's not happening. Unless the Pistons maybe go out and make a trade. But you have to remember, the Eastern Conference, like, it sucks, man. Yeah. Like, the Eastern Conference is, like, Bad, yeah. the lowest Power Five, and the Western Conference is, like, Clemson right now. That's just how it feels. That's the vibe. The Pistons really are only... What two and a half out mm-hmm. of the A spot? They're they're in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. They still have a chance to get in the playoffs. It, it, I understand they're losing, but everybody else is doing the exact same thing. So when you look at it from that kind of a perspective, I think if anybody's going to make the switch, it's going to be the Pistons who say, "All right, we're in that seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven range. Let's make a trade. Let's make a move. Let's get somebody." And make that push to get up into that, you know, six or seven spot, and then you create an opportunity where you're in the seventh, you're in the you're in the five, six, seven spot. You automatically, with a new addition via trade, yep. you become a serious dark horse to take down a team like Indiana or, or or Philadelphia for that matter. If you're in that six or seven spot, I, I like it. I they think they it did works. That. They, did. they tried to do that Blake Griffin, I mean, to kind of make the push last year. And but they really got to do it again. It's different. It's different. What about they, Blake Griffin? That's what I want to know. I mean, this guy has not been the greatest since the start of the year when he was kind of the leader and get, keeping to get him wins and everything else. He's kind of went downhill, and you kind of hear a lot of negative things about him right now. I mean, was that the right was that the right move? Is it time to move on from him? Is he maybe someone no, you're looking no, to get no, rid no, of, or are you no. trying to you build around him? You got to build. You got to add a piece. But what do you do him? with Andre? I mean, you have Andre Drummond too on this contract and everything else. Like, how do you, how do you make a trade or get around that to make a team that's actually going to be, I mean, better than what it is right now? I, it's a lot of money to you know kind of. Well, let's be honest here. That well, and that's the other. That's the hard part about it too. Is you know you say trade, 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 but realistically, what do you have to trade? Because you exactly. have because you, you, you have well, you have Reggie Jackson. Are you going to get Jeez, a better yeah. point guard than Reggie Jackson? I mean, as far you as you got to have someone at the top of your key that can make points. I mean, that's. But are but are you really gonna you know go out and maybe trade Reggie and a pick or whatnot and get someone that's really that much better? That's actually a star, not a superstar, but just a star. No, you're, no, you're just you're not. not. You're not going to get anything for Reggie Bullock. You're not going to get anything that's better than what he already is. So I don't really know what you do. You have guys kind of like stuck. you got. You have guys like Bruce Brown, and you have Kyrie Thomas that you can try to get rid of. You have a, a guy like Langston Galloway, maybe Jose Calderon. He's older than dirt. You're not getting rid of him. His contract will burn out, and and he'll move on after this season. Ish Smith. I mean, maybe you try to package Ish Smith with, you know, maybe a big. I. They just don't have a lot of good pieces that people want. That's the problem. There's not a lot of young guys that have this rising talent that they could trade to win now with. Maybe the best thing is just a tank and you know get a you know get, get a top get a, get a seven eight pick and finally get it right this time because they haven't been able yeah, to get it right in the past. It's Stanley Johnson a- maybe is an option. You package him with a guy like Bruce Brown or Kyrie Thomas. You know, two younger type of players, Stanley being more of a defensive guy, you know, Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas being more offensive players. I, I don't know. But something's got to change. You, you got you to get in the playoffs, and you got to be a playoff Yeah, lock. I mean, you got to get in the playoffs, and that's what the best— It's be- the Eastern Conference, dude. That's what the best they can do, and I just don't think that they— even if you can talk about these trades and packages and whatever, I don't think they're going to be able to bring anybody in that's going to make that big of a difference and change their team. I think they're better off— trying to win with what they have right now, I don't really think that you can do much to make their team that much better. I don't know what guy is going to come in and just make them that much better, unless maybe it's a better facilitator with the ball, a better guy that can pass, a 
a guy who can look to their, you know, so-called two stars and Drummond and Griffin and maybe make them a little bit better. And I really don't know what's in the market for that. It's going to make them that much better. That's worth going out and trading everything you have for it. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting to to think about. But nevertheless, I mean, you said it. It's a terrible division. Somebody got to try to make the playoffs. So the Red Wings situation, it's a little bit more interesting, I guess, because they were a young team that was surprising people. I think for them, it's it's kind of simple. Just stay where you're at right now. Try to keep getting better with the players you have, and hopefully they can learn from close losses, tight losses, games against these teams that are better than the conference that they do compete with. They just can't, you know, consistently get wins against. I think for the Red Wings, guys like Anthony Asiu and Larkin and everything else, you know, Larkin's going to be there for a while now. When you look at stuff like that, those are guys that you just got to keep around and hope that you can move on in, in the seasons to come and be better. The Pistons are in a different situation. They made a trade for a guy like Blake Griffin, who's supposed to be the guy. And when you make a trade like that, you're definitely expected to make the playoffs in a weak division when you have a quote-unquote superstar on your team, and they're just not there right now. I mean, they're not a team that's going to compete for anything. They're not going to win any playoff series, in my opinion, with the way they're playing right now. It's hard to imagine this team getting much better with whatever they do, I think. Yeah, I think if there's anyone the Pistons are going to pick up, though, you know, just reading through some stories, reading through some articles, looking at some trade rumors, I guess Markel Fultz, not a blockbuster trade, but definitely an option maybe. And then uh, I guess other two other players at least that people are talking about. Granted, I don't think the Pistons have the packages to to get these guys. <laughs> <laughs> but Bradley Beal is an option. I guess people are saying maybe the Pistons could offer. Now that you know, I mean, that'd be a pretty big move if they already have. Well, the Pistons sure. have the Pistons have future draft picks and then you know Luke Kennard is also a guy that's been able to Who shoot cares? the ball. <laughs> but maybe for Kemba Kemba becomes available, but I don't think you can package for Kemba. I think you have a better chance of packaging for Bradley Beal. Still, the options are all out there. I'm sure more stuff will become you know, we'll be pouring in. Just check Woj's Twitter, and I'm sure he'll keep you guys updated. And sometimes even a trade literally just makes your you know your like you're feeling a little bit better about your team if you get a new guy in there that fits well with people. And you oh, can, it's a vibe for sure. Yeah, exactly. You get some wins off of something like that. So maybe if they do something like that, you could change it around. But is it really worth it to just make the playoffs? I mean, is that is that really what you want to do? You want to waste draft picks in the future? You want to? I mean, do you think that that's the right direction? I I, I don't know. Is it really a right direction though? I I don't know. It's I'm saying. I think well, I think the question though. I think your best direction might be to just try to win with the team that you have and hope that you. I mean, hope that maybe you can make the playoffs because the division is so weak that you can overturn it. But what's the point? You're not going to win the playoffs. That's the thing. You're not going to win. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to start a dynasty. You're not going to. Like you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, it's that's I'm that's saying. I don't like, think there not, is a right direction. I think it's just whatever happens, happens. You know what? Pistons front office, go go to the beach, kick your feet up, drink a beer, and just whatever happens, happens, man. Really, because what else are you gonna do? Drink a beer. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna like say that, that on this podcast. I'm kind of getting, getting to that point. So let's wrap it up with our stud and duds right now. Anyway, that was smooth. That was smooth. Evan, just like a cold it? one going down, right? Yes, sir. Evan, what's the, what's your stud for this week? Yeah, so my stud for this week is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. But more than that, more than that, it's got to be Dak Prescott. And you saw there at the very end of the game, Dak Prescott just just came up clutch, to be honest. I mean, he, yeah, and yes, I know Seattle scored the last touchdown of the game, but it was at the very end, and, you know, two-point conversion was good, but they were still down by two, ended up going for the onside kick and, and losing in the NFC wild card. But... Dak Prescott, man, it was like a third and I want to say 16 or so. 
and that man dropped back in the pocket and looked like he was absolutely lost, had nowhere to go. He found running room up the middle and scrambled for a first down to about the half-yard line. I mean, that, that guy realistically went about 15, 16 yards on a run play in a situation where it, it was like third and 15. That And that was impressive to me. So he's one yard away from the end zone. In that situation, Dallas was up 17-14. You really would have liked to have you know, a, a touchdown to seal things and to put things out of hand. They didn't want to take the field goal. Dak Prescott punches up the middle for one-yard carry into the end zone with 2.08 left, and that ends up leading to the victory. So I think that's just that's ballsy, man, taking it on a run on third and 15. I like it, though. That's why he's my stud. Yeah, Dallas is definitely one of those teams, and Dak is definitely the head of that. That has been you know, just kind of come alive out of nowhere this year. I'm going to pick the other one. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts will definitely be my stud this week. Respect. And Andrew Luck, for the way he played him, mean, you look back at their season, middle of the year they have a point where they lose four games. It looks like typical Colts. Andrew Luck can't get the job done, can't get wins. He's the opposite of Matt Stafford. He's the opposite of the guy that kind of plays like a Matt Stafford. He got his team to the playoffs, and he got him a playoff win. And I will respect that for a long time by the way that they were able to play and like get through it. I mean, even with that loss you know, late in the season of the Jaguars, 6-0, you're kind of like, man, are they really going to get enough wins to get in? They go and beat the Titans when they had to to get in the playoffs, and then they beat the Texans 21-7. to Who Texans are a team led by Deshaun Watson. I thought that was pretty good. Andrew Luck goes 19-32, yeah, 222 yards and two touchdowns with one interception. Pretty good game overall from him to be able to get that. Marlon Mack has a great game, 24 carries, 148 yards, touchdown. To be able to get up 21-0 to and kind of just hold that advantage for the rest of the game, it's all they needed. They move on to the next round. They've, they've proved themselves to be the real deal in a team that can actually play in the playoffs and not just a team that kind of you know, rode into the playoffs or barely got in. They're a team that can compete, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this week when they play against the Chiefs. But um, other than that, moving on to our duds. Evan, what's your dud? Yeah, my dud is the terrific combo of Greg Madison and Al Washington for the Michigan Wolverines. Well, I guess formerly for the Michigan Wolverines now, currently with Ohio State as, you know, season, season wraps up, right? And... January 7th, it was announced that Ohio State would replace former defensive coordinator Greg Schiano with Greg Madison for the 2019 season. Madison coming from Michigan, he was the defensive line coach there since 2015, but he was actually working at Michigan in defensive capacities, you know, defensive coordinator for a little bit before Harbaugh got there since 2011. So he was there from 2011 to 2018, and now he makes the flip to Ohio State. Well, just one day later, it's announced that linebackers coach Al Washington is also headed to the Buckeyes. So honestly, I understand money talks, and I know that's what it was. And I and I know Greg Madison wanted to move from better situation. I know he wanted to move from defensive line coach to defensive coordinator, but man, you get spanked by Ohio State. You play your bowl game and get smacked, and then you go to Ohio State to coach. I don't know. It's just kind of. It's Dudley. That's all I'll say. Sure, it might be the the Kevin Durant scenario, or you might think of it like that. But if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Durant, when he switched, you know, he kind of he went. He didn't go for the money. I don't think he even got paid that much. I'm pretty sure that he was, you know, just he literally just went to win the championship. That's kind of a you know a pretty uh, a pretty bad move in my opinion when you're looking at it from a, a standpoint of wow, you just went to the team that just beat you because you couldn't beat them. Um, if he's getting more money and he's getting a better position, I don't know if I can agree with you on that. You know what? Like to I look out for somebody's life. If I were offered by another paper to go make more money, I mean, got to make more money, right? I mean, not obviously I'm in college right now. I mean, in my professional life. <laughs> no, I don't. But, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm, I blame him. Like I, that's why I said I understand why he wanted. They wanted more money and they wanted better positions. But still, it's just kind of awkward, right? Yeah. It just kind of got that awkward situation. But like Ti said, 
about the money. Yeah, for sure. It's what it is. My my dud, because someone just had to say it. Cody Parkey. I mean, I mean, come on, man. Straight 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 out you doink doink, double doink. It's it's I mean, seriously, like if you if you try to tell him to do that again in another situation, to kick it, hit one upright, have it bounce down, hit the other upright. I don't think he could do that if he tried five hundred times. Real quick. What's up? I like the dud. Bruce Feldman just dropping in a tweet that Josh Gaddis is expected to call plays at Michigan as Michigan's new offensive coordinator. Oh. So for all listeners, take that with you. Expected. Enjoy a bowl of cereal. We'll see how that Enjoy really goes. I, I've had enough. No one really knows what they're talking about in the media when it comes to Michigan football. So, I mean, yeah, they can write good stories, but no one understands Jim Harbaugh's mind. It's just it's impossible to predict. But anyway, um, yeah, my dog Cody Parkey misses that field goal. Bears have a home game, have the chance to really, you know, like wrap it up, be good. I have a friend in Philadelphia who lives in Philadelphia. I was uh, talking to him at the time of when the game was going on and when Cody Parkey missed the field goal. He said when he missed it, people were just screaming in the streets of Philadelphia, like so excited. Kind of crazy for Philly to be able to get a win like that and keep moving on through the playoffs. It'll be really interesting to see if they can keep doing with Nick Foles and everything like that. But the Bears finally get a home playoff game again and they just they blow it off a field goal like that. And We'll see how Cody Parkey does. Does he come back stronger? Does he come back as a better kicker? Is he one of those guys that just can never get over this and keeps missing? So it'll be interesting. But that's it for us personally content this week. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check it out on CM Life, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. And we'll talk at you next time. Just to let you guys know this could be uh, one of my one of my last podcasts on this. We will have some new people joining us pretty soon here. I'm trying to get someone else in on it with me being the editor now. We're going to try to get someone else involved. But My crystal ball predict- prediction is that he'll be back next week. I probably still will be. But nevertheless, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Looking back, the truth is wounded and fear. There was nothing I could do. 